to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. Welcome back, everybody. Back to part two of our 10 Laws of Boundaries, our series within the series, you might say. Let me think about it that way. (laughs) And uh, we uh, ended our last uh, episode uh, with, uh, we did the first four laws in the last episode. If you haven't uh, listened to that one yet, go back and check it out. Um, They're not really in any order. You can kind of listen to these as we go here, but you definitely want to listen to those. So we ended uh, with the Law of Respect on the last episode, and we're going to uh, just kind of jump right in, I think, and pick things up here as we go uh, with the next law, number five, which is the law of motivation. And this one I wanted to start with because this one kind of propels into these last ones. Law of motivation is really one of the most crucial boundary understanding because it is, remember we talked about that gray area, money is very cut and dried. Right. Financial things, it's very easy to talk about boundaries because I have a certain amount of money. What am I going to do with it? And I put it... It's very measurable. It is. It's totally measurable. Motivation is not measurable in Mm, the least. Emotions and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of gray areas. Exactly. Motivation, yeah. And even behaviors are kind of measurable. Like, let's say I go running and I'm clocking myself and I run a mile in this time. Measurable. I'm, I'm on a weight loss journey and I can have a scale and I can measure that motivation. You, there's no Mary Poppins measuring stick for that one. Not really. I, I'm not aware of one like that, but if anyone had one, it would be her in that crazy bag of hers. But uh, I, I want a bag like that for when I go on vacation so I can pack all the clothes I want in a very little bag. I thought bag. every woman's purse was like that friggin' bag. It's, it's bottomless, but it's... it's, it's, it's so much crap in their purses like that. I don't know. I guess maybe they all want to be Mary Poppins. Uh, who knows? But we did an episode on that, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> Mary Poppins. More or less. Check it More out. More or less. Anyway, so motivation is interesting because it's really an awareness again of what is my motivation behind this action. Many times we believe there's a motivation with a pure intent, but when we dig deeper, there is a lot of things that are, I call them the deeper, darker stuff as opposed to the light and fu- more fun, fuzzy stuff. And it's fear versus love. Um, and this goes into A Course in Miracles, which is a long, almost, it's very scripture-like. Um, and Marianne Williamson has written a, a book about, you know, return to love, which is really being motivated by love and as opposed to fear. And how A Course in Miracles really is talking about how do we find that way to love ourselves and love others as opposed to being motivated by fear. And whenever we truly do that, that's when miracles occur. And I would even venture to say that Boundaries can create miracles because I am now understanding and aware that my boundary awareness, what my awareness of what I set my boundaries and where I focus my energy is done out of love as opposed to fear. But the natural man is is a lot of fear. That's the problem. So am I looking in a spiritual way, in an eternal perspective, or am I looking from a natural man standpoint where there's a lot of fear because the natural man wants to be liked. He wants to be seen as someone that's capable and lovable and amazing and can do 
Well, boundaries are nothing more than laws. We've kind of established that in, in general. And, you know, when we obey God's boundaries, we are entitled to blessings, which translate into miracles. That's kind of where they come from. But so obeying boundaries can equate miracles. Creating. Because it's, mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's uh, again, the law of uh, reaping what you sow. And it's also the boundaries that God has set for us, where he said, if you, uh, if you follow my commandments and obey the commandments, that he is bound to bless us. He's literally bound. He has to bless us. If we choose not to follow his commandments or his laws, then we have no... Um, no promise. No promise. Right. Yeah, and exactly. That's the, and that's the the fruit of your actions really is shown within the law of motivation that whatever I have as my behavior, we're back to kind of the reaping and sowing, is what I'm going to have. But again, what is it? What is it based in? And if boundaries, so let's talk about that. If boundaries are set in based in fear, many times they are set with I'm trying to please man and not love God. So let's, and many times also, we talked about this at the beginning where we grew up in a home where our parents are teaching us and they don't have healthy boundaries. They don't teach us healthy boundaries. We don't learn healthy boundaries, but many times those healthy boundaries are based out of fear. So the example I always use is trying to set boundaries with your kids and they, you don't want them to run out into the street and you say to them, um, don't run out in the street because you'll give me a heart attack. And they have this fear. If I run out in the street, my mom will have a heart attack and die. So here they are an older adult and they still think the same thing. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's some myth. We're back to myths or belief system. If I run out in the street, my mom's going to die as opposed to the mother teaching the healthy boundary, which is don't run out into the street because you might get hit by a car. There's the boundary. And so even as an adult, if I've learned that boundary, I say, I don't run out in the street because I'll get hit by a car. But it's weeding out, okay, what is it I learned that I, and and many times, maybe your parents didn't even say it, but you thought it, you had that thought, you believe that thoughts are truths, you believe that thoughts are who you are, you buy into that thought, and so you just continue to live that thought of, oh, you know, my mom might die, or this might happen, or, you know, whatever it is. and those kind of become myths within your own life or um, what do I call them? Like people who have all of these like OCD habits of, I need to have the number seven in everything. My phone number needs a seven. I'm going to buy something. It needs to have a seven in the amount of money. And they create this myth within it that is based out of fear as opposed to out of truth. And they've created this boundary out of their OCD Weirdness. Well, superstition. Superstition, right. Or, uh, but it's really because I'm obsessing about it and it has no truth to it at all, but yet that's their motivation behind what they do. Right. It is. And we all have motivations that come from all kinds of sources. And really, I think the motivations come, like you mentioned, come from our core beliefs, right? Correct. And, and that's uh, and the, the myths we believe. And I mean, we see that in the culture of the church. Again, uh, people make crazy choices and make you know, uh, unfair judgments because of what they believe. Like they believe that if you don't live the way I live, that you're wrong and they treat you accordingly. Or they say, well, I can't be around you because you don't live to the standards that I believe are right. And so being around you is going to be a bad influence on me and you're evil. Again, so a I myth that. that's Complete created. Myth, total myth. And, and sometimes I, we have a positive motivation behind teaching it. But again, it's the wrong motivation or it's this message of unhealthiness. So let's say I teach my children because, all right, let's go back to small and simple things. If you read your scriptures every day, you will have 
more abundant blessings. You'll have this spirit in your life. So your kids grow up believing, oh, if I don't read my scriptures, so let's base, okay, we're going to do fear and love. So we're going to do two different right. ideas based out of fear. I didn't read my scriptures today. That means the spirit's not with me. I'm going to have a crappy day. L- mindset, thoughts that come to them. Things that are bad might happen to me. Again, kids can make up big stories in this. Or if something bad happens, they might say, oh, that was because I didn't read my scriptures this morning. That's why something bad or negative happened to right. me. And that is not based, and that's all based. So why do I read my scriptures every day? So I'll be safe and protected and have a good day. Right? And I won't have bad I things have happen, bad things to, happen me. to me. Correct. So then let's now do it out of love. I read my scriptures because I love God. He's asked me to do it. It's a small and simple thing. He says, the prophet says, here's some basic things to do. Say your prayers, read your scriptures, go to church, you know, try and be loving and kind to other people and serve them. Okay, I can, I can do those things. I read my scriptures because I love God. Something bad happens and I say, oh, all right, I read my scriptures. And because I, I've read them and understand them, I see that thing that happened as God's will. And I can say, okay. And with what I've, the strength that I gained from that, I understand and have a better awareness of what the reality of this situation is, and it's done from a completely different motivation. Well, there's no, when, when you're, when you're uh, you know, doing things out of love, there's, there, there's no consequences tied to whether you do it or not. When you do something out of fear, it's because there's a fear of loss. If I, you know, you get this in your mind that if I don't do this, then bad things are going to happen. But if you read the scriptures as an example or whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter what, what the choice is. But if you're doing something out of love because you feel, you know, I love my parents. and They've asked me to do this or I love God and he's asked me to do this. So I'm going to do it because I love him. And that's I think it's the right thing to do. There's no there's nothing in your mind that says, but if I don't do it, mm-hmm. something bad's going to happen to me. Because there's no fear there. But can you see also when people blame God for things that are negative that have happened in their life, it's done out of fear. Someone dies in my family and I say to God, why did you do that? How come you allowed that to happen? I've always feared that because, again, death is only just a part of life. Yeah. It's, it's a simple reality. It is a boundary that God has set with us. The minute that we are born, we know we're going to die. There's the boundary. And it's acceptance of that. And whenever we see it out of love, it's just simply... God having that happen and the thing that was set in motion that was meant to be for that person done out of love because it's the the plan and I I see it in a different viewpoint and that's where the scriptures it isn't necessarily just the obedience part of reading the scriptures and the motivation as I read them I learn about God's love and the reality and I come to a better awareness and understanding of it and it it can be, it plays a part in my life and my everyday thoughts and my reality, and it changes it into a place of love again as a place of fear. Well, I, I think people, and this is true in other churches as well, that I've noticed that people have the wrong idea about the commandments and all these things. We're, we're, we're not, you know, told to do all these things because if we don't, we risk punishment. God is not. Testing God. us, yeah, but, right. right. But he's not saying, "Listen, if you don't do this stuff, you're going to get punished." He's given us all of these wonderful commandments and boundaries and resources, and if he's asked us to do these things because he loves us, because he wants us to grow and benefit from it, it can only be 
to our benefit if we do these things, and we have to understand that. But the the message gets convoluted, right? It gets mm-hmm. it comes across the wrong way, either from you know a lot of it is the culture of the church, a lot of it is is you know leaders, or a lot of it is tra- is traditions that have been passed down, right? Traditions of the fathers, right? Where we're told like, hey, listen, you have to do these things because that's what we do. And if you don't, you're not going to be blessed. Like the, the fear gets built in from birth when that was never what God intended in any way. Societal views, things that they've told us. So let's take another example. And this one I'm going to go into more of an adult situation. So let's say that I'm in a marriage and I have found that my spouse and I have grown apart. And let's say we'll, we'll take a church marriage, an LDS faith-based church marriage. I've chosen to keep with my covenants and I go to church and my husband has chosen that he no longer wants to do that, that he doesn't want to go to church. He doesn't want to follow his temple covenants. He no longer honors any of those and he chooses to live a different life. He's not engaged with our children and our family and he's out doing whatever he wants. Let's, and that's not the important part. At that point, I can... And, and if it's done out of fear, the fear of, okay, I have to stay married. I made a promise and a covenant. I'm going to stick with him. And again, prayer is always involved in this. And I pray and, and God tells me to, to stay with him. Well, then that's done out of love for God. But if it's done out of fear that I'm never going to find another person, I need to keep him because he's the father of my children. And, and I have to keep this together, all fear-based what is it, a fear of loss of not spending eternity with your family? That's a huge fear. A huge fear. That, that is perpetuated by the culture of the church, too. And more loneliness. I will be lonely, and I will raise these children on my own, and he will. he's already gone off. Like That's the thing. He's already made different choices that maybe don't align with mine. And I, But I'm also resentful, and I'm having all these other things. And if I love him, and I love God, and I love myself, notice I'm loving all of those, I would communicate with him. I'm feeling resentful. I'm feeling distant. I'm feeling that our marriage is not what we created in the beginning and things have shifted and changed to a place that I don't feel in alignment. And because I love you, I'm willing to say, what will you want to do? And maybe he would say, you know what? I just don't really want to be in that place anymore. And I would choose to leave. Or you could, you know, and that's where divorce doesn't always have to be a negative thing if it's done from a place of love because people have grown apart and no longer have similarities in the way that they started with because people change. That things are done from a, the the motivation is out of love, but many times divorce is motivated out of fear or wanting to hurt someone. You've hurt me. I want to hurt you back. I'm going to divorce you because you're hurting me on a continual basis. Absolutely. It is. Um, and that that's more so, I think what I've seen anyway, that's more so the case. There's a lot of really, uh, you know, bad divorces out there, a lot of angry people, a lot of resentment, a lot of um, just uh, heartbreak. And, and I can't even understand some of the things that people do to each other or have done. Oh, and they're, they're brutal. It's brutal. And the more that you hurt me, the more I want to hurt you back financially, oh, horrible, yeah. emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Well, my divorce was like the former that you described. It was a matter of just sort of growing apart, and it was very, very amicable. And uh, you know, I was—we were—I I would say—I guess we both were. I would say we're in a position that we didn't like to be in. We weren't happy being in the situation that we we're being in, living in separate states and uh, separated from each other. And from—I was separated from the kids and all those things. It's not a, a situation that you can sustain and be happy in at all and I made that choice 
that uh, you know divorce was the choice to to make for us both to to move on and find the happiness that we deserve. And of course, it's it's sad and it's uh, it's always a heartache when when something like that ends. But it's um, it's still a very very healthy relationship, very amicable relationship, and uh, we take care of each other. We take care of the kids, and we do what's right, and we're not being selfish in any way. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great. That's a success, and, and it's not about getting divorced. It's about finding your happiness. But all the again, divorce is a boundary, right? And and it's not there's it's not right or wrong there that's judgment it's done if it's done from a place of love then just like what you described it can be done in a very gentle very yeah well it is and that's that's what happened but it was coming from a place of self-love as well like if you love yourself and you're not happy you have to change make it a choice to change things so that you can be happy but that's showing self-respect and, and love versus saying what again what the culture will tell you a lot of the cases hey listen you guys are married you got to tough it out you right. got to stick it out and make it work because you're committed you know to, to, by, that. to that and by god yeah. and and so that's kind of where and we're going to go over the there's some points in the law of motivation in the book that talk about it and i'd like to use my divorce as that's kind of why i stayed in it so whenever i chose to get divorced my ex-husband had had multiple affairs he had chosen to go out and, and be sexually active with other women and do other sexually acting out behaviors and he had all he's addicted to sexual things and had gone to there's SA, Sex Anonymous, like it's like AA. So there's an, right. We, right, attended the group, really tried to work on it, but never really came to fruition. Um, and many things that kept me in the marriage for, we were in it for 15 years, were exactly the things that they talk about in the law of motivation, the fear of loss of love or abandonment. My greatest fear was the fear of abandonment. And so that's much of what kept me within that marriage being resentful. And it was based out of fear, not out of love within that. So I chose to stay, but it wasn't necessarily for a healthy reason. And I was afraid to set that boundary. That was, and that it's interesting. That was my number one thing. Like I really was afraid to be alone. I didn't like to be alone. Um, and I was, I wasn't comfortable or empowered enough to be alone on my own. And that's where divorce was great for me. I learned how to be alone and how to be empowered and how to love myself and say, wow, I'm an amazing, wonderful person and I can do amazing, wonderful things. And, and, and I can rely, I learned to rely on the Lord. There was the other thing that happened with that fear of others, anger. That was a huge one because as soon as I would set boundaries, there was a lot of anger, whether it was usually it was emotional anger, um, some physical anger, some, and, and just huge arguments that would last for two, three hours, a lot of yelling, name calling, um, manipulation, um, demeaning, things like that. And it was really emotionally exhausting and really was hard on my self-esteem and who I was. And that anger would, whenever it would came out like that, it kind of destroyed a part of who I was. So there was a big fear of, is this going to happen if I, and, and so my motivation again was staying in the marriage was based out of fear, not necessarily out of, out of love, fear of loneliness, same that they talked about before, like I didn't want to be lonely and alone and raise my four children on my own, fear of losing the good me inside, um, that I was good if I stayed in the marriage, I tried really hard, that I, I loved him, the more, and my belief was the more I loved and the more I gave, the more he would change. And guess what? That didn't happen because again, it was based out of fear, fear, mm-hmm. and not out of faith and not out of love. Um, guilt that I would be the one to say, "Hey, I don't want this anymore." Um, 
that I would be the guilty one because I was the one who filed for a divorce um, payback that I would get back something like reap and sowing type of thing. I was the one who made this boundary. I would get something back that was a negative. Um, I needed approval from others. That was an interesting one. Like I wanted someone to validate that I had a reason or um, like an authentic type of excuse or, or to say you're justified in being able to ask for divorce, which when I would talk with other people, most would say yes, but inside my brain, again, that fear was so great. I couldn't look at that and say, they really are validating what I'm thinking, feeling, and experiencing is real logical and makes sense that this is not a healthy marriage and it's not, it's not serving me well. And we're not really happy together, um, in that. And, and so in the last one, over-identification with the other's loss, that one wasn't such a big one for me. But it was interesting within that, this fear motivated a lot of it. The other part was done in faith that when I prayed, God told me to stay. And I was okay with that. But again, the real motivator within my person was done out of fear. And that's where I, motivation is so important to look at and really dig deep. And that's whoever is listening, asking yourself, why do I set these boundaries? What is it inside of me that brings me to say whatever boundary I've set? Is it done out of love or is it done out of fear of one of these things that I'm going to have someone be angry, that I'm, I'm guilty, that I shame? Shame's another one. It's people will shame me. I shame myself that, oh, you're bad or wrong for making that, or selfish. There's another one for making that decision. But in, in ones that are done out of love, leaving a person and, and divorce again is done out of love because I love that person to free them and allow them to experience their life in the way that they want to. Most divorces don't have that motivation though, right? They're yeah. motivated by fear or revenge or pain and hurt and, and all of these things. And it, it's so sad to see, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of a unicorn there are a few out, out there, there, but, right? but not I mean, many. Like, no, my no, like my divorce was so amicable and wonderful, and because it was done out of love, uh, and again, it's it's love for yourself and love for your spouse, where it's like, hey, listen, we're not happy together. Nothing's bad is going on. There was I had none of the uh, the experiences you had whatsoever. There was never any of that mm-hmm. even close at all. And, uh, and that's, you know, we still end up getting divorced because we had grown apart and changed and we weren't happy. And it was about love and, and, uh, you know, maybe a bit of self-preservation. I mean, we were in a really difficult situation that you can't maintain. And if we, if I didn't do something, it was going to stay like that really. And that wasn't cool. That, that was not going to work for me. I was not happy. And so let's look at that too, with that motivation down out of love, you release that person which you really celebrate whenever your ex-wife um, has these wonderful things come into her life. You're like so happy for her. Absolutely. Because she's free now to find a better... I would want that. Exactly. I do. I mean, I want to find my person to give me the happiness that I want and desire and crave. And uh, I would want that for her as well. There's literally no bad blood between us is no bad uh, feelings or, or karma or anything that I, I wouldn't want. And again, she's the mother of my children and I'll always love her for the person that she is and for, you know, raising and, and giving me beautiful children and a beautiful family for introducing me to the church. All of these wonderful things came from her and I'm eternally grateful for that. And I would never discount that in, in any way. And it was never about feeling like, oh, I don't like this person anymore, so I'm going to hurt them. We've never had that. That was no. not the thing at all. 
No. And, and it, I think a lot of times too, as people get rid as they let go of the hurt, they release the hurt. It can turn into love to where now mine with my ex has always been, I do love him and I want what's best for him and what's best for me and him is to not be together because again, that, that it just doesn't align. It still no, doesn't align. Of course and it, not. There's nothing wrong with admitting that. And that, that's just how it is. And it doesn't say that you're a bad person or a mean person. It doesn't even say that they're a bad person. It's just not the right fit. It's not a healthy relationship but it's healthy. to have. Right. But it's that motivation. So again, what am I setting the boundary for? Am I setting the boundary to hurt? So let's say, like people will say, well, I set the boundary. I just didn't talk to him for two days. That's, that's a boundary that's done out. And the motivation of that is, look, it, I'm going to hurt you by not talking to you. It's, that's not a boundary, and it's not done out of love. It's done out of fear. Right. I'm going to um, take, take away from you. I'm going to deprive you of my communication and my love and everything. I'm going to force you to make a decision or force you to feel the way I feel. Yes. Whatever the case is, it's, it's horrible motivations. Those aren't good boundaries. That's not <laughs> a boundary said. at all. It's that's not a boundary, yeah. right. That's and that's something that is, it's manipulation again, or right. That's my point. At that. Yeah, it is. And that's extremely unhealthy in any kind of relationship whatsoever. Right. Which leads into the next one of the law of evaluation. I'm going to evaluate right. what is this boundary going to do? And I like Oprah talks about in 10, what will it look like in 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years. So I'm going to set this boundary and, and what will that kind of look like? There's the evaluation of in the long run, is this going to be something that's healthy for me, you know, in the now and in the future and healthy boundaries will be healthy in the future also. Always. Uh, again, they are an eternal principle. Boundaries are an eternal principle. Yes, we have eternal boundaries that are set laws and whatnot, but even our laws here are eternal in a sense because you are learning how to build successful boundaries, which you will still need, I'm assuming, to, to set boundaries in the next life as well. They may be completely different types of boundaries, but we always have to have boundaries to protect ourselves. And, and so that's super important um, to do. I, um, I'm much like what Oprah was, what you're referring to that she was saying, I call it big picture thinking, meaning I think about, you know, before I lose my mind and say something I'm going to regret or do something mm -hmm. I'm going to regret or hurt somebody, what is this going to look like in the future, even short term and long term, you know, because I mean, you know, if you say something out of rage or, or you know, or without thinking and you hurt someone's feelings, you say something extremely mean to somebody, well, that means I've got to apologize, That mean, which I don't like to do, but, <laughs> you know, I'd rather just avoid it in the first place, but I will, of course. I always apologize when, when I have to, when I'm wrong, uh, but I don't like to be in that situation. But more importantly, you run the risk of damaging your relationship with somebody. When you hurt somebody by saying mean, horrible things, they don't know if they can, even if you, they forgive you and you apologize, they don't know if they can trust you possibly that you run the risk of that. You run the risk of damaging your relationship forever. And is it really worth right. all of that? So I try to not make choices that have those long-term repercussions without thinking right. about it. And in a boundary setting, so let's go back to Dave Ramsey. Cause again, it's not that I love him, but it's easy to talk about finances. <laughs> You're I, crushing on Dave Ramsey. I here. know his, you know, I do kind of like his drawl. It's, it's really nice. And it's kind of soothing when I'm driving. I kind of get into this. Oh, <laughs> fall asleep at the wheel though. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's just, this. <laughs> he's just his really slow voice, but <laughs> let's go back to his principles. So let's say that I'm in my twenties and I have, debt because I'm in school, which is okay to get in debt to go to school. He agrees with that. I have a, a car because I need one. Guess what? I'm going to have debt mm -hmm. and, and I'm trying to get out of debt. So setting the boundary of whatever I earn. So let's say that I have 
a job and I can barely make ends meet. Okay, well, that's great. I don't go into more debt. But let's say I'm now into my first career, not making a ton of money, but at least I'm making some. If I can look at, so here's the 10 minute, 10 day, 10 month. I really want to go out to dinner, but I'm going to set the boundary that no, I've promised myself that here's my allotted amount for food. I'm going to keep to that boundary. But in that 10 minutes, that's not so fun. Not at all. Well, I really want, or, or it's Friday morning. And let's say that, you know, I, I really want a Starbucks because Friday mornings with the Starbucks is going to be a way nicer morning than a Friday morning without one. Great like, way to start the weekend, right? Well, it's Friday. It's we're, Friday. We're, we're leading let's, into let's the weekend. But a Starbucks is, I don't even know because I don't go to Starbucks. Six, seven dollars, let's say. Six bucks. And, and I know in my little accounting that that's not really, but I, I've set that boundary. In the 10 minutes that I'm driving past Starbucks, that's not going to be a great... It's not going to be a great 10 minutes. 10, 10 days, I've probably gotten rid of it. 10 months, it's gone. But within that first, and that's that, that setting boundaries and being able to hold to them and not allowing it, its opposite action urge. The, the action urge is, oh, I really want to please myself or into pleasure. That would be really delicious. Come on, how many of us have done this? You drive past something, you're like, oh, or you, there's a it. commercial. Or, oh, yeah. It's all subliminal marketing and everything. It triggers something in us. Right. But within that boundary then, if I love myself and I've made this promise to myself, then I'm going to, it's going to have this, I'm, I'm now looking at it in a bigger picture that no, I have this bigger picture and that's so that I can live like no other, which is what he says, you know, whenever I have, whenever I'm older and then I can retire early and then I can serve God and I can go out and do the things like go on a mission or travel or whatever it is. And if, and then when you kind of put in that perspective, Starbucks now and, or a wonderful, amazing retirement, eh. And, but then people will say, well, maybe I won't even live till I'm that age. And they get right back into the 10 minutes. Yeah. But that's the mindset too. But you see how fear came in? Well, of course. Maybe that, yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so that's where you've got to weigh it out. What is it? And, and I think if more people could really be mindfully aware of that, sure. But if I now let's go into a different place of love. I love myself. I work really hard. Within my budget, I'm going to budget to go to Starbucks once a month. It's my once a month trip. And I go... I celebrate, we celebrate, you know, I, right. I'm setting boundaries. Doesn't you mean go. you deprive yourself no. of, of things at all. It's just setting boundaries so that you reward yourself or you allow yourself to have these things or whatever the case is just within certain boundaries, right? Again, anything, you know, if, if you're going to Starbucks every day, I mean, Starbucks, are, they're delicious, right? And, but there's a lot of calories, for example, in a lot of these lattes and different don't, drinks. Don't tell people this. Oh, okay. You just rain on their parade. <laughs> I don't think they care. Well, if they don't know, they've got bigger problems than coffee, for one thing. But if you think about, hey, listen, I'm just going to... I'm going to say, screw the boundary. It's too hard to set a boundary. I want to have Starbucks every day. You put a lot of whipped cream on the put top. Put a lot of whipped cream on that, baby. And, um, you know, you may run into issues of gaining weight. Let's say if you're eating a lot of calories, mm -hmm. that's one thing. You may run into uh, sort of a dependency on caffeine if you're drinking triple shot lattes all every single day, right? Because mm. that's your thing. Uh, you caramel may run would into be better, too. Caramels, were, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salted caramel, anything salted caramel. Um, mm. the shout out to the salted caramel. That's the best. So, uh, you, you know, you have to think about the, the whole idea with this law of evaluation is to evaluate the, the needs, evaluate the consequences and evaluate the bigger picture of all of this. Is this the right boundary to set? 
does it make sense? And when I evaluate this, does it make sense to say, I'm not going to have any boundary. I'm just going to drink Starbucks all the time that I, as much as I want. I don't care about the money. I don't care about what happens to me. Or is it like, Hey, listen, let's look at what actually could be the consequences of this. Do I really need to have it every day? What's more important? Is it my early retirement? Is that more important or just giving into this desire to satisfy my need right now and to live in the moment to have that instant gratification and not care about my future? It's your choice, but that's the whole point with this law is when you set boundaries, evaluate everything about it mm-hmm. first and make sure, yeah, you know what, this is the right boundary for me because this particular thing is more important than this particular thing. And that brings you freedom also in that, let's say that I have, um, in evaluating, I've decided I'm going to go on this amazing Caribbean cruise. I'm going to save up the money and, and that is my choice. And I set the boundary with myself. I put the money in there and then whenever, here's the interesting thing. Then when it comes to paying for it, people feel guilty like, Oh, but I could take that money and pay off more of my house or, you know, I could. Oh yeah. You can always make yourself feel guilty about things, but you have to also, the other thing is you have to live in the moment. You uh, like, I, I, I don't understand why people will de- deny themselves every privilege in life just to have a healthy retirement or something like they, like it's a journey, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so it's not just about the destination. So if you, you know, if you just are miserable your entire life, because you say, I'm just going to save every penny so I can have this amazing retirement. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to hate your life by the time you retire anyway. You're going to be grouchy anyway. All the time. And the thing is though, within the boundary, so I set the boundary and then I pay for the vacation. I go on it rather than feeling guilty. Oh, I could have used this money and I could have paid this off. You say, no, I have this boundary with myself and it's done out of love because I love myself and I've, I've looking at it and I've assessed that and I have, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of it because this is a boundary I set with myself. And, and again, you, you set the boundary. You say, listen, import, retirement is important to me. So I'm going to save for that every month, but I'm also going to put aside some money to do the things that I love to do. Because and I do love balance. to travel. I'm not going to wait till I'm 65 to travel. I want to travel. I just, maybe I won't take exotic vacations until later, or we'll just take little staycations or we'll do things that satisfy our desire to have that, but still help us to stay within the boundary that we've set for ourselves. And again, you set your own boundary. That's what it's all about. And yep. it's entirely up to you. So uh, just as a side note, we have nothing against Starbucks in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So I go to Starbucks. It's I do think that cool. they are very pretty, and I love the music they play and the vibe. It's very cool. Oh, it's very cool. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. And I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I, I either get a frappuccino or I'll get hot chocolate or whatever like that. And uh, who cares? It's great. And it's just that's once in a while I do that for me, so it's not a problem. But uh, I don't. I'm not someone who goes there every single day just because I've made that own that choice for myself. I don't want to be consuming that every single day personally. But anyway, go to Starbucks, knock yourself out, have fun with it, set your own boundaries. It's what it's all about. Okay, the next law is the law of proactivity. Wow, what does that even mean? Proactivity. Yeah, what for every think? action, there's an equal and opposite yes, reaction. Oh, exactly. we just brought physics into the Newton, podcast. Oh. Newton in the house. We just went into nerd land. <laughs> yeah, we, a little bit. Let's get out of there nice and fast. <laughs> okay, so proactivity versus reactivity is what we're talking about. Correct. Right? Okay, so what does reactive mean? Reactions are necessary, but not sufficient for the establishment of boundaries, meaning that whenever there's an action, I have an opposite reaction, but it's listening to it is more of that than getting into the reacting. So let's again, say that someone hurts me, they yell at me. The reaction is I feel hurt 
and it the reactivity would be maybe to yell back but that instead in the boundary setting process it's saying that hurt me could you please not do it again to be able to do just what's needed within it and not overreacting or underreacting that's that's the law of proactivity well, there you have it just like that there you go <clears throat> well also too on, on that uh when we're talking talking about reactive versus proactive, let's talk about passive versus active. Mm-hmm. Is another thing that's talking about too. Proactivity mean, meaning being proactive versus being reactive and not being proactive or being passive when you're setting your boundaries. Right? Uh, not healthy to be reactive when you set your boundaries because reactive people, they're they're kind of really. So I call them hot-headed. In they some they ways. are right because reactive people are kind of known by the things that they hate, or the things that they don't like, for example, or the things that they stand against. Where a proactive person is, is more about saying what they love, what they want, what they stand for. There's mutual respect with that, and and often they. Um, Power isn't something that you demand or deserve with it. The ultimate expression of power is love. And right. I, in my reactivity, I love you and I'm not going to react in an unhealthy, overact, like overacting way to be able to set my dominance or my power. It's done, again, in, in DBT, it's called doing exactly what's needed, um, meaning that I don't need to yell or scream. I simply talk in a calm tone of voice and ask you to mutually respect me back. That's proactive. The interesting part about boundaries and being proactive, there are sometimes I can't be proactive in setting a boundary because the person hasn't crossed it yet. But that is basically the law of everybody is innately good. I trust you until you have given me a reason to not not trust you. That's how I am. Correct. And that is a healthy way done out of love. And the minute that you cross the boundary, I go, Oh, and there was a boundary crossing. I'm going to let you know, like in group, um, I did chemical dependency group when I worked for banner. There's a lot of kind of rough around the edges, people who I love promise love dearly. Like addicts are probably my favorite people. They're sparkly. They're wonderful. Their energy is amazing. And within that, there were a few that were kind of crude. And um, I get easily offended by cursing. That's just the way I am. I do Isn't not... It weird how we still get along in, I in know, spite of that? I know. It's amazing how that works. But the thing is, within <laughs> that, I'm fine with a, a well-placed curse word here and there. But whenever it's over and over and over, and it's really not expressing or communicating anything, that's when I struggle. And in that group, there tended to be a little bit more... And someone who was very observant, again, I love these people, said to me, um, I, I noticed that that really bothers you, and I said it does. And I, it's hard in groups sometimes to set boundaries being the facilitator because I want people to be open and be able to share. And I said, it really does. Cursing bothers me. And he said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'll, I won't do it anymore. And he didn't do it from that day on. That's cool. Yeah. And, and a lot of times that's what people just need to know where your boundaries are. And when we talk about communication, how important that is in setting boundaries, right? It, people will comply with your boundaries more often than not if they just understand where they are. Right. But, but you're afraid anything. to set them because yeah. you're afraid to offend well, them. Well, you, you thought that that guy was going to swear right at you and get mad at you and say, screw you, screw this you. is how I talk and I don't care what you think, exactly. right? Exactly. Nobody wants to experience that. But it's it's not it's not good to be proactive moving into, let's say I'm meeting a new group of people and I feel like I have to be proactive. Teenagers might do this because they're testing their little waters and go, I just need you to all know that cussing really bothers me. So if you could please not cuss, that would be wonderful. Before anyone ever cusses. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is again, I, I, it, that boundary is crossed and just letting him know in a gentle, kind way, you know, I'm, I'm really bothered by that. Could you please not do it? That's all it takes. Most people I've seen, you know, most people will 
uh, will um, obey that. I mean, I had an experience years ago at a work event, and uh, I think I may even mentioned this in some episode in the podcast, but it was with a, a guy who was from Australia. He was uh, working for the same company. We were in Vegas and uh, having some fun, and uh, he, uh, you, you know, would... Um, would would use take the Lord's name in vain is what we call it right mm-hmm. when you say that and uh, j- just uh, kind of um, y- you know just part of how he spoke he was a nice guy and he wasn't angry about anything but he would just say that as an excla- and sometimes people say that when they're Correct. exclaiming you know uh, just some kind of a shock or for example or just something that's like caught them off guard they'll say well so they'll say those kinds of things and we got to talking I told him I was Mormon and he uh, he said um, I love Australians because the <laughs> English and Australians have such the best vocabulary but he would say does it bother you when I I blaspheme. <laughs> he actually said that. I love how they put the emphasis on a, a different syllable. Oh yeah, they syllable. Do that too. Yeah, syllable. Yeah, exactly. So he he but he you know he didn't say hey do my uh, does it bother you when I say da 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 he he said does it bother you when I blaspheme I said you know I, I it does it's not something I like to hear because you know I have a personal relationship with the Savior I mean I didn't really get into that a whole lot but right. it meant some, I told him that it meant something to me it was a personal choice but at the same time I didn't feel it was right for me to dictate how he spoke because he has different boundaries about how he said exactly. but he he agreed to not to not say that uh, around me anymore and it was very amicable and very fun he did, wasn't trying to to you know, bother anyone or, or rile up anybody or say oh yeah you don't like this so i'm going to say this to you he just that was just how he spoke and he didn't know that it was a problem for me until we started talking about it and then he was very very willing to uh, set that boundary around me that he he wouldn't do that because he knew it bothered me and that was a wonderful beautiful thing and that's what's amazing about boundaries and i think it's so the point is if you just communicate and make things known in a very loving and, and non-confrontational way that certain things, here, here are your boundaries, whatever your boundary is, I think most people will respond to that yep. positively. They'll yep. say that, hey, this is totally okay. So um, setting laws as a reactive person uh, can be, setting boundaries, I mean, as a reactive person can be dangerous, I think, because it's coming from a place of things that we won't do. So big example in our faith, again, with the culture of the church, a lot of times people will not let their own children who are Mormon play with children in the neighborhood who are not Mormon because they are assuming and they believe that these kids are not being taught the same principles at home, so they don't want their children to be influenced by this because it isn't what we want to teach our children, and we are worried, fear-based obviously, worried that whatever you know is being taught in that home because they're not an LDS home, it's not good. Mm-hmm. And so they set a boundary. Here's the boundary. Our kids cannot play with those kids, which is destructive. And it's very reactive. It's fear-based, and it's because it's a boundary that's being set for something that you stand against instead of something that you stand for. And standing against evil is not a bad thing, but judging someone and assuming that they're evil because they're different is horrible. And right. it, that's and not that's, the right boundary to right. set. Right, and that's not, a, and that's an unhealthy boundary based out of fear as opposed to love. I love them. People are innately good. I'm willing to within the boundaries. Again, you can go over and play for a certain amount of time. You know, like there's good boundaries within that would be a way to be able to Well, you to can set boundaries, that. yeah, for sure. I mean, if you know that maybe the husband drinks a lot or whatever in that home, then you can set boundaries to say, well, maybe your kids can come to our house and play. Sure. Or maybe I can just, you know, all the kids can only let's be there the during park. the day. Let's go to the park and play, or let's play during the day when he's at work, or whatever the case is. There's ways to work around it. I don't think you should punish your children uh, and their children, because the, their children don't know the difference. They didn't choose to be in that home. That's just where they were born. It's kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, and blaming them for all of this or, or saying that those kids will be a bad influence on you is, is a horrible thing to do. So reactive comes from kind of that space out of fear and out of things that you 
are afraid of and things that you are against versus, you know, setting uh, boundaries based on love and things that you want. I mean, wouldn't you want your kids to be happy playing with friends? If they met this kid at school and they really got along with them, this kid is a, a different faith. Why would you take that away from your child if he has a friendship with this person you know what i mean why right, would you but that's s- not your boundary to set it that it's point. not right no it's not but people do so that that's the idea with this law of proactivity be proactive set your boundaries out of love and not out of fear and uh you know just really uh live one thing we said here's uh, proactive people do not demand rights they live them i thought that was really profound right. to see because that's that's what it's real all about and so you want to just uh, keep that in mind when you're setting boundaries out of mutual respect and, um, you know, being able to love other people as themselves for who they are, set boundaries according to it that way instead of another way. Right. Okay, next the law one. law of envy. Oh, my law of envy. That's no, right. not envy. Envy. Oh, envy. E-N-V-Y. Oh, not, <laughs> not envy like Nevada. Right. I thought we were going to talk about exactly. Vegas for a second. I'm all about uh, the law of Vegas. <laughs> law of Vegas has its own laws. Oh, we're not yeah. going to talk about that. Okay, law of envy. That's envy right. Envy is the, probably the basest emotion we have. We're talking really down deep. deep. It's a, it defines the natural man. I think that's totally. what the natural man is. It's all about envy. I look over at Joe and I go, Joe has... This and that, and uh, I want those car, things. This car, I really want this car because I bring out my car. It's not. <laughs> it's not like I'm uh, I'm rolling in a in a, um, a Bentley or something like that. Not the case. Not the case. It's all right, but <laughs> hey, if you want to envy it, that's cool. We'll go for a ride later. Well, I think cars are a good place to start because a lot they of people are. would look at their cars and say, "That's the they reason do. I say that." It is. It's, it's true. It's though. that. So it's not wrong to it's not wrong to want things that we don't have because God wants to give us the desires of our heart. That doesn't always mean a car, but it's the desires of our heart. But when we focus on what others have or accomplished, and we're neglecting our responsibility, ultimately we we feel this emptiness, or we want to blame God. Why does He have this and I don't have this? And it envies a self-perpetuating cycle. He says, boundaryless people feel empty and unfulfilled. They look to, um, they look at another sense of fullness and feel envious. Look, they have all of this in their life. They have a beautiful wife. They have a car. They have a house. They, they're happy all the time. And this time and energy is now wasted in this being in, in envy and spent on on this responsibility for their lack of doing something about it, as opposed to focusing that energy and saying, wow, I can have the same thing if I put that into my what I have within my space that is within my responsibility and setting the boundaries that God blesses them and I'm happy for them and God will bless me also and and it's you know that God tells us you have not because you didn't you ask not you know if you ask you shall receive if you have faith you will receive but but we don't see it that way that it's in envy I'm only seeing uh, others through comparison and that I feel that C.S. Lewis talks about it's not that the other person has more it's that you see that they have more than you and you become envious as opposed to saying that person has more good for them how wonderful that they can be blessed in that way because I am fully blessed maybe in a different way well it changes your perspective on things as well because you start to to see that um, what what other people have is good and what and you end up hating the good that you do have Exactly. So my boundary is I'm blessed within my where I'm at right? in a different way than anyone else. And I fully love and accept that. And I can now allow that boundary with other people. Here's the way that they've been blessed. And right. I fully love and accept that God blesses them in that way. But envy flips that around. Exactly. And you look at what you do have and you say, this is not good enough. This is not great. And you start looking at the only thing that's good to you is the stuff that you don't have. 
That's which depends comes. on where you're at. Like if you're divorced and you see people who are happily married, you're like, and look at that. He has a wife, you know, they go home, they have this great relationship every night. I'm lonely. Yeah. I'm here in my apartment. But that's envy, you don't right? even that's... have a cat or a dog or anybody. I don't want a cat. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want an animal. To, nothing against pet people. Not at all. But <laughs> this is not the right time in my life. To, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I live alone. I don't want to be responsible for a pet. Uh, anyway, off topic. But but Still. again, it's where you're at. If you're right. lacking in money, oh, look, that person has enough that they can go eat it wherever. Flemings. Firebirds, Flemings. Yeah, and you go, I really want to do that. That would bring me happiness. When in all reality, that envy is only perpetuating this feeling of emptiness and that it will be filled by something when that's not true at all. No, it's not. No, it's a very destructive emotion. It's one of the seven deadly sins, it right? Is. It is, and, and it's very, very destructive that way. And uh, so, yeah, this law is just, I think, being self-aware that, uh, you know, are we envious of other people? Are we setting boundaries because I'm trying to be like other people or I'm setting a boundary to, to get what other people have, which is really only going to be destructive And to it's me. really, whenever I'm that way, I'm boundaryless. Because, yeah. again, within my boundary, I have been blessed with what God has given me, and that is sufficient, and that is exactly where he wants me to be. All right. Next one's the law of activity. Human beings are responders and initiators, and we have boundary. Sometimes we have boundary problems because we lack initiative. Um, that the God-given ability to propel ourselves into life, we respond to invitations and push our, push ourselves as opposed to responding and saying, "That's that's what I want to do." I can set a boundary and say, "No, this is what I choose to do," not forcing myself. It is, and uh, the. Uh the biblical parable law of, or excuse me, the parable of the talents. talents. We've talked about that one yep. in, a, in a previous episode. But uh, it's interesting to note that the the two who were successful with the talents they were given, they went and invested the talents and doubled their, their money, basically. Uh, they were uh, the ones who took action, right? The one, the uh, the lazy servant who was given talents and buried it, because he was afraid of losing it and afraid of taking any risks, he is the one that suffered because he was passive and inactive. Buried, and so right, buried he, his talents. He didn't do anything with it. And with this law, it's it's amazing that God will match our efforts, but he'll never do the work for us because right. he has boundaries. And agency, again, is a big part of that. That's a huge boundary. That's the primary boundary. I think that this whole plan of salvation, the whole reason we're here is based on a plan of agency. And God will never take our agency from us. He will never step in and do things for us. He needs us to, first of all, choose to be active in something, whatever we're, we're trying to achieve, whatever that goal is. He's not just going to give it to us. So if you're talking about dating, he's not you know, going to just have I, your... I made that deal with him. I told you, like I told God, whoever you want for my husband, have him show up on my doorstep. I open the door. He's holding a sign that says, I'm yeah. the one totally fine will with will you that. marry me <laughs> <laughs> it See, never happened no we could we could do a reality show about that it probably would happen if we tried that that's i wouldn't put it past me when you look at some I of the dating either. reality shows maybe that's that's the false narrative i think that the fairy tale that right the, the, that's the media that, that, that tv it. wants to tell people just like the bachelor right it's all fantasy and fairy tale when reality no, hits because those god people. had all this for me to learn through right. dating through meeting people through getting out right. through being alone exactly. for years and and amazingly i grew and became an, this stronger person through that in the middle of right. it i didn't really want and, to right exactly and so um 
we, he, we need to take the initiative. We need to be active. We need to start on that path and do as much as we can. And then God comes in and makes up the difference. And ask. And ask. Oh, yes, we have to ask for his help, of course. But you're out there dating people, and it's not working out. It's not working out. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, accidentally, you meet someone. Uh, you get introduced to someone, something like that, and it's the right person. That's God kind of doing that. But if you had just sat at home and not gone out and done anything like that, I tell you, he wouldn't I, do it. I wanted to bargain with him well, about that. Well, it's not that. a bad idea, to be honest. Yeah. It looks good on paper. Who wants, I mean, you know, when you can do get something for nothing, right? That's that's a natural <laughs> man, baby. Let's, uh, yeah, let's God's I'll boundaries take that. don't work that way. <laughs> they, they just, no, they just don't. Uh, but also, too, there's another aspect to that is we, and I often think, you know, I, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, what my dream girl looks like and the characteristics she has and the qualities that she has and the lifestyle she lives and the choices she makes and the person that she is and all these things. And we all have our list of, of what our person looks like and everything like that. And I say, yeah, I'm not going to settle for anything less than this. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. You, you have to set a boundary. Uh, they have to be realistic as well. But you could, it's okay to set boundaries and say, yes, I'm going to accept this in someone. I'm definitely not going to accept this in a person. But I think the thing we fail to realize is turn, you know, and look in the mirror and turn that around on us and say, well, am I being the person that my person is looking for? Do I meet her checklist, right? And being willing to say, I'm willing to be open and listen to what God has for me and be willing right. to be open. Yes. And, and yes, that's all part of it. But um, I think my point with this is that we can't, if, if we just didn't have to go out and do anything and then the right, right person would come along, we would never grow. We would never become the person that our person needs us to be by going through this refiner's fire. And let's be honest, dating is a crucible from oh, hell, right? It's the worst fire. It's the worst ever. fire <laughs> out there, right? So yeah. So if we... When we go through that, we develop characteristics that uh, that are vital for a healthy relationship. And that's what we came to the earth to do right. is learn we and experience these. Yes. And there are God's boundaries and laws with us that we We have follow. to be active that way. We have to go out and learn. We have to go out and do. We have to go out and fail. And we have to fail fast so that we can learn and get better and better. And there's no better failure than dating. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put that on a shirt? There's no better failure than, than dating. dating. It's a good one, isn't it? I'm going to write that down, though. <laughs> I think I'm going to tell my clients that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's true. You learn so much so quickly, but it prepares you for that right relationship. And that's a good thing. That's exactly and where I, we should be. The more failures I have, the more whenever I meet that person, I go, oh, yeah, this feels different. It feels more like home or it feels like it fits kind of like trying on shoes and you walk around a little while and you go, yeah, this doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, but, oh yeah, this one, that one feels pretty good. It's true. Cinderella syndrome like that. But I was I, thinking I, of my hiking shoes. Which oh. one can I wear for a good 10 mile hike? That's I'm gonna... thinking about a gala event. That's, <laughs> I don't know why. That's how I am, I suppose. <laughs> but that's okay. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. And, and you know, it's difficult when, you know, the person you are with or want to be with finds their person <laughs> and uh you know and and they know that that's the right fit and they follow that path that can be heartbreaking but all of that heartache and that experience is good for you mm -hmm. because it does build your character and it does uh, help you to uh, be able to overcome things like that and to deal with things and it puts things into perspective and most importantly it helps you to realize that god has a plan for all of us and just because you know, his plans for you aren't what you thought they were going to be or want them to be. It doesn't mean that they're bad. In fact, it's probably better for you than you can imagine. You just have to let them happen, but you also have to respect God's plan for other people. And it's okay to let go of someone if they 
have found who they need to be with or if you're not the right fit for them as it turns out in a relationship that's okay that's totally okay it's hard at first but i mean you have to if you look at the bigger picture and think about it it's like yeah you know i would want that person to be happy i would want them to find the right person to be with because i want me to find the right person for myself and be happy with that person yep yep and the last law is the law of exposure um boundaries are property lines we've talked about this and it is it is having a distinct property line and saying in the exposure, I don't, I don't live in this land of nothingness. My boundaries define who I am to myself and to others and in my relation to them. Kind of like my, my well, I'd like to say the lawn in front of my house is my boundary, but because our house now has a fence around it because it's being rebuilt, the fence is the boundary around the house because um, all of our doors and windows are gone. Well, the majority of them. So people could just walk right, well, and there's no walls. So they could just walk right through our house, but they, they put a fence around it because that's the new boundary. And it tells people, don't come in here. Is it an attractive chain link fence? It is. It's so <laughs> lovely. And there's a portage on along there also, oh, a blue rent a can. Oh my yes. goodness. Well, the property values are skyrocketing My in your neighborhood right now. My neighbors love me. I'm sure they It's very they strange, do. too. You can see through our house. That is weird. It is weird. There's no boundaries at all within it. So that, it, it, so that is not a house you want to live in. No. Because there's no boundaries there. It's a good example of <laughs> lack of boundaries. But the law of exposure says boundaries need to be made and visible to others and communicated to them in relationships. Here are my in marriage. Here are my boundaries, and I want you to understand these. And within it, they may change a little bit, but you got to communicate that. Like, well, I didn't really think about this, and and here I'm learning this, or I thought that this was my boundary, but really I'm feeling, and and things might shift and change. Like, let's say my, I believe my boundaries. I don't want any children, and after I get married, I may say, you know what? After being in this different environment and in this situation. I think maybe that boundary is going to change, and that's okay. That happens all the time. I, mm -hmm. I have friends who have vowed, vowed they will never get married again after horrible divorce experiences. And then they meet somebody, and they both feel like, yeah, we're never getting married again ever. Right? We're oh, gonna, yeah. Let's, let's date. And you know what? A year later, those two are getting married because everything has changed. Their, their, yep. their perspective Percept has changed. Yep. Their environment has changed. Suddenly, they found someone that they truly do love, and they want to be together and be married. And that's a wonderful thing. It's okay to change that perspective and it's okay to even change those boundaries but you can't I don't think anything is really forever like that in this world because it's just things change because so much. you have a, get a different perspective as you grow older and yeah it's it's like me raising children being older than when I was younger I have a different perspective because I realized that didn't really work very well and these are, mm -hmm. are healthier boundaries but um, often we have fears that if I express those boundaries again people won't like me so we have these secret boundaries that we then tell ourselves like passively I communicate that oh inside I tell myself and I'm going to do this and I'm going to resent them and I'm not I'm, like I said I'm not going to talk to you or I'm not I just won't call you that's not a boundary so I tell people whenever you're upset with someone you need to tell them I'm really upset I'd rather not speak with you for a while could you please not call me and they're like why well, I'll just block their number that's not that's not a boundary no it's not, but that was exactly how I was. I had, I guess I would call it secret, I don't really call it secret boundaries before, but we talked a lot about me withdrawing, right, mm -hmm. in, in relationships, because when things would get, because of growing up that way, and I, that became my go-to mechanism when I felt like I couldn't set boundaries, I couldn't express myself, I couldn't say to my mom, hey, listen, you know, I don't agree with this, and here's why, can we, can we figure out something that's going to help me to set boundaries that are good for both of us? I never felt like I could do that, so I just completely withdrew and took that mechanism into my marriage and into relationships uh, throughout my life. And I would do that exactly. I, I, I wouldn't. So having these secret boundaries, you don't communicate. Right. So it would be okay to say to that person, let's say you want to withdraw for a little while. I'm really feeling 
hurt or I'm afraid or something. I just need some time to think, to kind of be on my own. Can I, I need to take a couple days. I take there's, a time out. It's a but, time out. But there's a boundary and it you've boundary. communicated, you've said it and they understand it. But within a couple of days, you need to come back to it well, again. Well, you also say, and we're going to get together tomorrow and talk about this exactly. again. Exactly. Or whatever the case is. So it's a full boundary because you're not leaving that person wondering. A well, month later, you have it. We it's not, about it's, it yet. right. That's, it hasn't yeah, worked. No, and then by that time, you know, everyone's ready to implode because so much has built up inside them, right? And the other person's upset. And yeah, angry. well, exactly. And, and some people much. have a hard time with giving you time and space. No, I want to talk about it now. I want to resolve that. I just can't go home. No. Mm. Everyone has the right to tell you no, and that's that level of respect. Here's my boundary. Here's yours. I respect yours. You respect mine. And even though they may be tormented, it's asking themselves in, why am I tormented in allowing someone to take some time and space? Because really, it means a lot about me and nothing about you that I can't just create that. Well, we don't don't look at ourselves and say, I could be wrong about this. Mm. We just assume that, oh, that person did this, and so they're wrong. So I'm not going to even look into myself and say, why am I reacting this way? My reactions are justified, but that's not true. Can you see the healthiness in that, though? Then they have time to reflect and be introspective. I wish I'd known this long ago. (laughs) Yeah, this is why therapy is so wonderful for people. Because whenever you learn these skills, now you go out into the world a healthier person where you can have... And learn how to have healthy relationships, whereas you just didn't know. Can't change what you don't know. It's all about awareness. It completely is. Everything is. And that's one thing that I've learned, you know, through going through my own therapy and and, uh, and all these things. And just even as we go through the podcast, we learn more and more about all of these things. And they're very helpful. Like I said before, we're, we, we are learning through this process as well as uh, as helping you guys learn uh, with the information that we bring to you. But uh, a lot of it uh, is, you know, stuff that we learn and, and understand ourselves and uh, we're able to apply in our lives. So we're uh, we're all holding hands, running into the sunset together on this one. Through here. a field of daisies. Through a field of daisies oh. and sunflowers and all kinds picture. of yeah, beautiful <laughs> picture. What a great image to end on. So that is the 10 laws of boundaries. And uh, again, the idea here is just to really understand these laws so that you can use those as guidelines to set your own healthy boundaries and coming at those boundaries from love and being active and proactive and being motivated by the right things. It helps to really understand where these laws are coming from because we are impacted by these things when we set boundaries, we don't know if you don't understand that you are motivated by the wrong thing. When you set your boundaries, you're not going to be able to set healthy boundaries. So it's very important just to understand these laws so that you can use them to, uh, to set boundaries. So, uh, we are, uh, getting close, I think to the end of our series on boundaries. Uh, we've got, I think a couple more episodes. Next episode is going to be discussing boundaries with your children. Not that that's even necessary, of course, but uh, we thought we'd throw that one in anyway. And, and if you don't have children, it's okay. Still tune in because you were a child once and your parents sent boundaries with you and it's understanding how that, that affects is. you. So that's a great both point. Ways. It is because, you know, I wish I've said this, right, that I wish mm-hmm. that I understood boundaries when I was growing up because I had a lot of... Uh, bad, um, well, bad experiences. And I was, uh, you know, I, I was pretty much, you know, upset most of my teenage years, right? I wasn't <laughs> I happy. I Joe was this little grouchy, I, upset, I, teen, I, you know, I, kid and I was pouty. pissy. I'll be honest. I was pissy from time to time, but I, I, I was, you know, one of the happiest days I think for me was when I went off to college and kind of got out of you know, my home environment and away from my parents. And that sounds horrible. And, and it, it wasn't, 
it wasn't bad like that, but it just I just felt like a relief when I got away to college because finally it was like I can make my own choices now. I really felt mm-hmm. like I couldn't make choices before. And that's, you know, again, not a, a slam against my parents at all. They're wonderful and uh, everything is, has been fine for a long time, but they were just doing the best that they could. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I just it would have been great to understand what boundaries were back then. And that's then. what we'll get into. Yeah, we are because you can. So if you have, if you have any, any input, you know, saying. Well, I probably do. Yeah, I'm sure I. Within that, that'll be wonderful. We'll go into that. I know, but that's a good point about not having kids of your own. You can still benefit from this episode (laughs) coming up because you can look back, as I have. You can see, you know what? Oh, this is where I wish I'd known where I could have set a boundary. Here's where I failed to set a boundary because I didn't know any better. And has that caused any issues and behavior in my life as an adult now? And, and that, especially if you grew up in an environment where there were no boundaries, you're probably a boundaryless person now. Correct. And so you can learn to start setting boundaries for yourself. And the awareness well. isn't developed till you learn about it. So, so that'll be our, our Freudian episode, getting back to our childhood and our <laughs> I'll, mothers. I'll, I'll have you lay down on the couch. How's okay, that? that's perfect. <laughs> Wheel the microphone over so I can exactly. talk. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay, kids, once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love your support and your comments and your feedback on the podcast. So keep it coming. And uh, we will look forward to hearing and seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, keep the faith and keep your stick on the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.